You're listening to the best of the Sergio Show. Here's Sergio. Our Senator Ted Cruz joining us right now. Appreciate you making time, Senator. I've been seeing you on the cables, Newsmax, and other places. You got a new a new book related to all wokery and stupidity that's in our culture today. So tell me all about it. Well, Sergio, good morning. Good to be with you. Thanks for having me on. Yes, sir. Uh, you're right. T- today I have a brand new book that, that, that came out that today. Uh, it is called Unwoke, How to Defeat Cultural Marxism in America. And it describes chapter by chapter how the radical left has seized the major institutions of our nation. So it starts with our universities. Mm-hmm. And I call our universities the Wuhan lab of the woke virus. It's, it's where the virus was created. It's where it mutated and it's where it spread to the other major institutions of our country. And I detail precisely how that happened, how, how Marxists came in the 1960s and seventies and began taking over the faculties at elite universities. And from there it spread to other institutions. The next chapter is K through 12 education. And I describe how critical race theory, and, and, and rad- radical left took over in, in elementary and high school. The next chapter is on journalism, and, and unfortunately today's journalism is broken. The, yeah. the press is fundamentally broken, and I lay out how that happened. From there, it goes to big business, and then big tech, and then entertainment, Hollywood, movies, TV, sports, music, uh, and finally to science. And, and in every one of them I lay out, how it happened and why, and then critically, I lay out a battle plan for how to fight back, how to take our institutions back, because, Sergio, I know that, that, that you, like me, you look at what's happening in this country, and, and it is terrifying. It is, it is infuriating what is being done to our country, and we've got to fight to take it back. Yes, sir. And, you know, you went to print with your book, be obviously, before the bloodshed, the massacre of innocence, in Israel, right. and right now we are reaping the foul stench, rotted fruit of this leftism, this Marxism, the, uh, these America haters, capitalism yep. haters, Jew haters, and we see them on campuses yes. and in the streets all over the, our, our nation, and there you go. That is the fruit of this uh, leftist seed in American academia all these years. Man, it's like you could write a whole new chapter on what's taking place right now. Well, you're absolutely right. We are, we are seeing with these rabidly anti-Israel and anti-Semitic protests on college campuses across the country, uh, violent protests that are harassing and threatening uh, Jewish students on campus. And, and, you know, just a couple of weeks ago, I was sitting down talking with a very successful tech entrepreneur from, from Silicon Valley uh, who, who leans left. And he was expressing bewilderment at, 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 at this <laughs> vicious anti-Semitism that we're seeing in the House of Representatives from uh-huh. the squad and our college campuses. And, and I explained what you just said, Sergio, that this is the direct result of the cultural Marxist. So, so Marx framed everything as an inevitable and unavoidable battle between oppressors and victims. And, and he framed it socioeconomically, where the oppressors were the owners of capital. And the victims were the proletariat, the workers, and his solution was a violent revolution of the proletariat where they overthrow the owners of capital and they use government and force to redistribute the wealth from the oppressors to the victims. And, and what the cultural Marxists have done is they've applied that same frame, except they've applied it to race, framing this country as an inevitable battle between races. 
They've applied it to gender and sexual orientation and gender identity. And, and when it comes to what's happening in Israel, the reason the left is so viciously anti-Israel is they have coded Jews as oppressors. And they have coded the Palestinians envy. Yeah. as the victims. Yeah. And, and so the result is they support the violent revolution of the victims forcibly redistributing and taking from the oppressors. And, and it's, it's, it's vicious and it's indefensible, but it is, it is exactly what you said, the rotted fruit mm-hmm. uh, of this poisonous tree. Our Senator Ted Cruz joining us, and we're addressing all the issues of wokery. He's got a new book related to all this. But, uh, Ted, this, the top issues that people do not pay attention to, and I was <clears throat> addressing this with another friend who checked in earlier, and uh, I'll play that uh, conversation today or, or tomorrow. And this, on this election day, excuse me, <clears throat> on this election day, and this is nothing new. I mean, this, this goes back <laughs> way back, a couple of centuries. The American people are not informed enough. They don't take the time to look at the top issues that they're voting for. It is always seems to be popul- populism or personality that Trump's principle. Like today, for example, we're looking at Kentucky and Andy Beshore, the very popular, they keep saying, very popular Democrat governor. Well, where the heck are all these conservatives and people defending traditional values and, and principles? How, why the hell are you voting in? A Democrat's going to veto everything that comes at him from a conservative legislature in that state. People vote personality. People vote for populism, and they do not vote principle, and that scares me. That's been for the longest time. It's worse now than ever before at a time when we have potentially lethal national death, the open border invasion that's taking place, the uh, the diluting of our currency, the uh, cultural perversion that's taking place in society. All of that uh, is enhanced or promoted by the Democrat Party, the modern Democrat Party, and people continue to vote stupidly. Well, Sergio, you're exactly right, and 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 uh, the causes of that are exactly what's addressed in 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 this new book, Unwoke. Where, you know, w- what is driving that? Number one, you've got journalism, and and journalism is fundamentally broken. The the corporate media is corrupt. They're no longer trying to be impartial. They're not trying to present both sides. Instead, Donald Trump broke the media, and 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 they view their job today as advocates. The media is rooting in Kentucky for, for the Democrat governor to be reelected. That's who the media wants, and every story they cover, every adjective they use, every story they refuse to cover is directed towards driving a political objective. Big tech, big tech wants the Democrat to win, and every story they amplify is directed towards helping the Democrat to win. Every story they suppress is, is, is directed to helping the Democrat win. Likewise, entertainment. Look, you look at Hollywood, you look at movies and TV and music, all of that is directed. It's now ideological. And and what the cultural Marxists are doing is they're using culture to push their agenda and to push it aggressively. And so the answer, the solution is, frankly, what you're doing right now, Sergio, what I argue in this book, every chapter, I, I lay out what we do about it. And a big part of it is, is sunlight and transparency. Listen, the ideas of the radical left are wildly unpopular. No one in their right mind supports abolishing the police. No one in their right mind supports the open borders and chaos we have at our southern border. No one in their right mind supports medically sterilizing eight-year-old children and surgically castrating them. Those are 90-10 issues with, with the vast majority of Americans thinking that's nutty. So how do they happen? 
they happen because the radical left has seized the organs of transmission of ideas, and we need to shine a light, and we need to exercise power. And part of exercising power is showing up at the ballot box and voting the bums out. I was complaining about this on a Monday morning when people are working for a living, and I understand they're busy, and they got kids, and they got bills, and they got careers, and all that. I, I get it. I understand. I'm, I'm there. But like, for example, on a Monday morning, ABC, CBS, NBC, all the major networks, what took place on a Saturday and Saturday night at the White House, the protests, the, the pro-Hamas protests for many of these individuals. It wasn't pro-Palestinian. Yes. It was pro-Hamas. All, all this radicalism, this vandalism, this damn, the attacks on Secret Service, all that, none of that got airplay on a Monday morning. People should be reviewing what took place this past weekend and people going uninformed yet again on another top issue. People would be, they'd be demanding answers. They'd be calling their representatives had they seen the mess that took place this past weekend in, in Washington. You're absolutely right, but CNN won't cover it. MSNBC no. won't cover it. ABC, CBS, NBC. They won't cover it. I drove by the White House last night. We saw a violent assault on the White House. In fact, when we were driving by, I was, I was in the car doing an interview, and, and the interviewer said it's, it's not safe to get out at the White House <laughs> because there could still be Hamas protesters there today. Think how sad that is, that at 9 o'clock at night, it was not safe to get out by the White House in Washington, D.C. That, that is a testament to just how much things have gone off track and, and the media deliberately doesn't want you to hear this. And, and look, this book, this book is not an abstract academic tone. It, 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 is, it is filled with real-world stories, and it explains how and why this is happening. So it starts, it starts with my family story. As you know, my father uh, was born and grew up in Cuba, and, and he fought in the Cuban Revolution. He fought alongside Fidel Castro. And my dad talks about it. He was 14 when he started fighting in the Revolution. And he said, listen, that's who the revolution was, a bunch of 14 and 15-year-old boys. And Marxists always, always, always start with the kids. If you look at every communist revolution, yeah, it, it is that. teenagers yeah. who are young and idealistic and filled with passion, but they also have no world experience, they don't have wisdom, and they're easily deceived. And that's why Marxists target the kids. And, and I tell the story, as you know, my father was imprisoned. He was tortured in Cuba. My aunt, my tia Sonia, was imprisoned and tortured by Castro's goons in Cuba. But I tell the story about my grandmother, my abuela. She was a sixth grade teacher. And when Castro took over in 1959, one of the very first things he did is he sent his soldiers into the elementary schools and into the kindergartens and first grades. And, and the soldiers would tell the kids, they'd say, close your eyes. And pray to God for candy. Hmm. And, and the kids would all do yeah, so. Yeah. They'd, they'd open their eyes, there'd be no candy. Yeah. Then the soldiers would say, close your eyes and pray to Fidel Castro for candy. And the hmm. kids would do so, and the soldiers would quietly slip a piece of candy on, on, on every <laughs> student's desk. A that is yeah. what Marxism does. Yes, sir. There's a special place in hell for people like that. Listen, I know i got seconds with Amen. you. Amen. Uh, i got seconds. Uh, Hear me out real quick. Again, the book is Unwoke, How to Defeat Cultural Marxism in America. New book from Ted Cruz. Go look for it. Senator, please help us. Go to Amazon and buy it today. Help us on the water situation, Senator. 
uh, Mexico, again, two years behind on delivery. we got local growers here in South Texas about to get their growing kick next, an expanding season and growing season. Billions of dollars in losses because Mexico is not delivering its water. We need a new minute in the exactly IBWC right. treaty. Help us, please. We need a resolution. Make some noise on this thing because no one is helping us Well, Sergio, get this as done. you know, I forced a vote on the Senate floor last week on it. I had an amendment to direct the State Department to lean in aggressively to Mexico to meet their treaty obligations. Yeah, under Joe Biden. And yeah, I got a bipartisan luck. majority on the <laughs> okay. Senate floor. I got seven Democrats to join me. Good, good. Keep pushing, Senator, because it's bad. We're, the forecast is awful. It's bone dry. Yes. And God help us. Yes. Uh, we're, we're in bad situation. Thank you, Ted. Big hug to I, you. I'm leading family. the fight to get Mexico to provide the water that they owe America. Yeah, that's what we need. Owe we owe the real Grand Valley. Yes, sir. we got to write that over and get the farmers their water. Thank you, Ted. Our Senator Ted Cruz, again, his book, Unwoke, How to Defeat Cultural Marxism in America. This is The Sergio Show. You're always on the go. Obviously pretty busy. Busy with work. Picking up my kids from school. From work to kids. They're running errands. Your entire day is a hands-on, never-ending frenzy of activity. Luckily, getting the news is now voice activated. Just say, Alexa, play 710-KURB. I'd like to know what's going on in my world. I gotta know what's going on in my city. Putting the smart in your smart speaker. I'm getting my news from you and my information. For the latest news and to find out what's happening in rich, clear audio. Just say, Alexa, play 710 KURB. You're listening to the best of the Sergio Show. Here's Sergio. In the studio, 710KURB broadcasting from Mission, Texas. Abraham Garcia is executive director of the Hidalgo County Bar Association. And he did good with his life. He worked here briefly and went on and got a life. I understand. <laughs> he left radio and actually decided to be something, do something yeah. with his life. Yeah, and uh, Va- Valerie Torres is a co-chair of the Heart Gallery Committee. Oh, we know what the Heart Gallery is. Val, tell me, you know, tell the folks running around town this month of November, being a adoption month, and this Heart Gallery put together by local folks, showing the pictures of these beautiful kids that still need to be adopted of all ages. I understand. Yes, that's correct. The Heart Gallery is kicking off National Adoption Awareness Month, Uh and we're actually hosting it again at the Rio Bank here in McAllen at 701 East Expressway 83 this Thursday from 530 to 730 p.m. And basically what we're going to do is future portraits of the children who are actually here in foster care in the valley who are needing homes, and we're hopeful that the community turns out and get some information on how to adopt children, how to yeah. adopt these children specifically. These are actually family pairs, most of them. So it can be two to three children at a time. Goodness. Some of them are, are single uh, children, but ideally we want the community to turn out. Also, after this event, um, the exhibit will actually be traveling around the valley, I believe for five weeks, Abraham, if that's, if that's correct. Um, and so we'll be featuring this this gallery all over the valley. You mentioned Rio Bank, right? The tower, the big pretty tower, the Rio Bank tower. Correct. Okay, Rio yeah, Bank. that's the one. How many huerquillos are, are you featuring this year? Abe, you want to come this in on year that? We're, yeah. we're uh, doing 24 portraits. 24 uh, But in those portraits. Oh, the portraits. The portraits. So in the portraits, there's, there's a group of siblings. So I want to say about maybe about 80 kids in total or 40 kids. Abe, I know that, and, and, and a big thank you to the local bar association. They have been helping mightily. 
through the years uh, when it comes to this hard gallery, helping to get kids adopted. I don't mean to put you on the spot, but do you know, like year to year, are we able to move these some of these kiddos? Or, are we, or do we have like repeat participants? You know what I mean? It's like how many kids can we clear at a wonderfully emotional, um, intense, because these faces are beautiful, and I'm, I'm sure that at the meeting someone is moved to adopt some of these children. Are you able to clear them? So we year? are, yes. Yeah, so we actually, it's it's weird. As soon as the heart gallery <laughs> opens on the first day, the second day, our phones are always, always ringing, calling, hey, how, how can we adopt? Who do we need to contact? What do we need to do to get them out of that system? So yeah. we, I mean, it helps. So that's that's the reason why we keep doing it every year. We're talking about the annual heart gallery. It's an exhibit that features you know, big posters with the pictures of local kids, right? Mostly our local kids Most, yes, that need correct. to be adopted. And this year, how many how many posters? Are, uh, twenty-four portraits. Twenty-four posts. Oh, twenty-four portraits, brother. Of the twenty-four portraits, some are single kids, others are family, like brother, sister, thing like of, that. Yeah, group of siblings. Might be ideal if we can get them adopted all at the same time, right? That's all. But I'm gonna see. He's the executive director of the Hidalgo County Bar Association. We want to thank them for every single year sponsoring and promoting the Heart Gallery, trying to get local kids that that are ready to be adopted. They're clear, and you would know this on the legal side, Abe. They're, the strings are all detached, right? No one's right. going to come and say, hey, that's my blood kin, and I'm going to rip that kid away from you, despite <laughs> the fact that you may have emotionally have bonded and invested invest with that child. These children are free and clear to so be, be adopted. adopted. You right. see that beautiful face and the little sister? Take them. They want a home, a one a forever home. That's the way it works. That's the way it works. And then we also... Um, in the portraits, we have a short bio as to why the kids want to be adopted, why do yeah. they want to be. And some of these kids also have disabilities. So usually people tend to look over that and go for the younger babies, and that's why we have this event. So even the kids with disabilities have a chance to be adopted. Yeah. <clears throat> Abraham Garcia, Executive Director, Hidalgo County Bar Association. Valerie Torres, co-chair of the Heart Gallery Committee here in South Texas. The, the process of adopting, I don't know which one you two want to address this, I understand that there are some applications, background need to clear, fees need to be paid. Sometimes it's it's um it's cumbersome. It's it's a pain in the butt. <laughs> no other way to say it. I wish it was easier, you know, to to be able to adopt. But I guess at the same time, you got to think about the kids' yeah. safety. But how long, Val? Uh, how long? If you start now, you fell in love with like a couple of kids and one poster. You start now, you say, I want these babies. I, I want to give them home. How long do you have to wait until it's all said and done? I'm actually unsure, but I do know that DFPS will be giving us information to post <coughs> at the gallery and for the traveling exhibit that will directly link the uh, interested parents to adopt the, the children. It'll directly link their information so they could be in contact with them. Another great thing about this year's Heart Gallery is that even if you can't adopt or you're not interested in adopting, um, if you do want to help these children, we actually have, well, this year we're doing a wish list. So each child that's being featured is creating a wish list right now. Okay. And there's going to be a QR code, and you can purchase items directly from their wish list. That way this Like Christmas. a Christmas wish list? Yeah. Is that right. what it is? What cute? Well, that's wonderful. That's, that's really nice. A legal side, how expensive is it? How much do, do people spend in order to, to get this done? I, I, and we had family here at the station, one, our, our boss, our boss lady for many years. Remember Jane? Yes. You, you, I know you were here at one time. Uh, she went through that process, and it was long, and there were several thousand bucks that they spent, but they didn't because they, they love these children. 
So muscle menos, or are some of the expenses related to all this? Can can anybody help with the expenses related to this? Do you Absolutely. Know? There's different organizations out there that do grants to help out with uh, with expenses, or at least some of the fees to help uh, cover those expenses because it is expensive. I'm, I'm not sure the actual amount of how much it is, but I I can I, I'm pretty sure that it's um, over 50, 50 grand per children or for the fees plus legal fees. So it is it is something that is expensive. But like I said, there's grants, there's organizations that are always out there uh, willing to help financially um, if they get approved to to help cover for those fees. The Heart Gallery over at Rio Bank uh, at the tower right off the freeway, everybody knows where Rio Bank here is, is in McAllen. When is it? What time? And then tell me the next one because I, I know this gallery moves around yes. quite a bit. So this will be taking place November 9th, this Thursday, uh-huh. from 5.30 p.m. to 7.30 p.m. at Rio Bank here in McAllen. And we will have light refreshments um, for everybody to enjoy, to come out, bring the family. It's a, op- open to the public. The okay. So that's a one-stop information also station, right? Hey, we're, right. you got any questions related to that? You have folks from, from Family Protective Services there. Correct. To answer yeah. some of the questions. Anything else I miss you want folks to know about? Again, it's the annual Heart Gallery. And we've got um, several kiddos, about two dozen or so, that need to be adopted from this area. You can make give these kids a forever home. Anything else, Abe? Yes, we uh, the ha- the heart gallery exhibit will stay at Rio Bank for about a week. And okay, then so we leave those pictures. Yeah, there. we're okay, gonna good. leave those pictures there right. for a week, and then it's gonna travel throughout the county. Do you, uh, if we have several um, locations already that are uh, confirmed where the where they're, they're going to move throughout Wherever the month of December. Gonna move, yeah, for the month of November. November the, and yeah. December. And December. Yes, I think it will be about the first two weeks a- of Adoption December. month. Okay, so the first one is in McAllen at the Rio Bank. And Val's scrolling through her phone, so mm-hmm. she can find the list of, of the other I, places. I do know yeah. um, one of the weeks will be at the Basilica in San Juan. Another week will be at Edwards Abstract Title in Edinburgh. Another week will be at the Far Public library. library. Okay, nice. Nice. And then we do have. Um, we have another church that we're gonna have it, but we we're gonna be posting all this information oh, on yeah. our social Get media. Get it to us, and we'll we'll copy paste it on our and, social media site. And we'll have the well. information on our website. Thanks for stopping by, y'all. Yeah. At first, I saw Abe down the hall. I said, <laughs> "Oh, this guy again." I bet Fred. I told Fred, "I bet you he's coming to grovel." And beg for his job back when he <laughs> left it long ago. I don't know, dude. He's a high-powered, super rich, powerful attorney. He's he's a president. He's the leader of the local bar, and he's gonna, you know, you'd be begging him for a job. So, and so I'm trying to be real nice. Thank you hey, for stopping by. Uh, but so I'm I got to see executive director of Hidalgo County Bar Association, Valerie Torres, with the Heart Gallery again. I don't know maybe something God's been tugging at your heart. Uh, maybe you get an empty nester now. Maybe. It's time to give some of these kids, beautiful kids. It's the annual Heart Gallery. Make some time, stop by, look at these beautiful faces. Maybe your home could be the forever home for some of these kids. This is The Sergio Show. Start your day with news and interviews important to you with the Valley's morning news. Weekday mornings starting at 6. Sergio Sanchez and Tim Sullivan bring you the latest headlines and hourly discussions with AccuWeather to get you ready for your day and special guest interviews on topics that affect you and your family. Good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning, guys. We'll let you know enjoy the show. It's what you need to start your day. The Valley's morning news with Sergio Sanchez and Tim Sullivan. Weekday mornings starting at 6 on News Talk 710 KURV.
You're listening to the best of the Sergio Show. Here's Sergio. Up in D.C., the haggling, wheeling, and dealing on billions here, billions there. On the Senate side, they'd like to wrap up a whole bunch of billions for Ukraine, Israel, and awesome, you know, air quotes now, border security money. <laughs> yeah, probably grease the skits of process folks to come into the country much faster. On the House side, they would like to do things step by step, you know, one piece of legislation at a time. They already took care of the Israeli one, but... Anyway, I don't know if they're going to find any middle ground on any of this. Let's talk about the lack of border security, and we both welcome back to the program. Friend of the station, friend of Texas, friend of anyone loving liberty, in my opinion, that'd be our buddy Chip Roy, Congressman Chip Roy. And I say chip, chip, hooray every time I get to speak with him. Um, how are we going to find any type of middle ground to um, – Provide some assistance to Israel. Let's let's start there, uh, Congressman, because you know Senate and House are, you know, very far apart on how to approach this right now. Well, Sergio, great to be on. And uh, first of all, uh, my view of this is pretty simple. I mean, we we the House are trying to do the job the American people sent us there to do. You just said it. We're trying to do things step by step. We're not going to agree to one of these massive Washington packages. Uh, Biden and the Senate Democrats are demanding that we pick Israel and put it in and then include the uh, border funding, quote-unquote, that you just alluded to, which is literally nothing more than throwing money to process more people uh, at the problem that has been created by the Biden administration that refuses to actually enforce the laws and, uh, and make policies that will, will uh, allow us to secure the border. That's the truth. You know it. I know it. Border Patrol knows it. Anybody who follows it, anybody who knows the news knows it. Last night, we saw two American citizens that, from Georgia who died in that a brutal uh, car accident. We yeah. had a, a human smuggler who was driving another vehicle. It was filled uh, with several individuals that were uh, here illegally. And, uh, and, and and you had this just tragic car accident where they all died, including two American citizens. This stuff's happening every single day. And we have a, a duty to stop it. And the best way for us to do that is to not give in to these ridiculous demands by the Biden administration. So we're still trying to be responsible, move appropriations bills, get our job done, try to hold spending in check since we said we would do that, try to stop the expansion of the IRS since we said we would do that, and importantly, support Israel because America has always said we would do that, and then get busy doing what we need to do for the border and the other things that we need to do. So that's where we're staying focused. Uh, I hope that Speaker Johnson will listen to what we're saying. Uh, We'll know here in the next 24 to 48 hours, but you know, I'm not going to support a so-called clean continuing resolution, and I'm not going to support President Biden's mumbo-jumbo. So you know, we better come up with a plan that's sellable or uh, or we're going to, uh, you know, not uh, be in the best place to defend the American people. Yeah, or, or, or what, we're about a week away, right, Congressman? About a week away from the next CR, the, the deadline for that? Yeah, government funding expires next Friday night at midnight. Okay. Is there anything on the security, border security side, specifically for a DHS? And, you know, we always say that Congress has the power of the purse. Okay. Well, how about... Um, Tying up that purse. You know what, DHS, you ain't doing your job. Uh, Mallorcas, how about you get a $1 salary? Something something big like that that gets people's attention again on this border security mess because it's not getting the traction, obviously not getting the traction on the the um, dinosaur media networks. They're not paying attention to this thing as they should and, and helping voters, helping the electorate be more informed on this mess that we have at the border. Well, I mean, I'll tell you, the, the, the Republican um, House of Representatives, Republican-led House of Representatives, we have passed the best border security bill that, that the, the Congress has ever passed. 
Uh, it's sitting over in the Senate. We passed a Department of Homeland Security funding bill uh, that was constrained, but still gave them dollars to do their job. But importantly, we passed it, but we held it at the desk and said, if you pass the HR2, which are the policies we need, then here's your funding bill. And by the way, that funding bill had constraints in it as well to ensure that dollars weren't being spent uh, the, and, and uh, uh, to carry out the wide open border policies of the Biden administration. So uh, we've been doing that part. Now, the problem is obviously the Senate Democrats and the president can ignore that. But the, the only leverage you have is when you get to points like next Friday, when the government funding expires. Yeah. Um, or, for example, Ukraine. Now, I'm one of, of, of those who believes that there's probably going to be some Ukraine package that moves at some point. But I think that that ought to be tied to a border security demand. In other words, H.R. 2 will be signed into law or you're not getting a dollar at all for Ukraine ever. Um, it may be possible that we never move another dollar for Ukraine. If that's the case, so be it. Then we should fight on the next on the on the next Homeland Security Appropriations package, which would be sometime in December or January. So we're working on it and um, and trying to figure out if we can move it. But the bottom line is you have to use leverage points to force change. That's all we've got. Uh, this Biden administration is not going to do it because they want to. Republicans have to force change using leverage. If they're unwilling to do it, then there's no way to get change. And, and frankly, we've got some of our Republican colleagues who are afraid of using that leverage. I'm not. I don't know why we're in Washington if we're not going to use leverage to get the policy changes that we need. Congressman Chip Roy joining us. Could you please explain to working people driving around town, taking care of business and paying their taxes, Congressman? Why is it... <clears throat> Why is it that when it comes to aid for Ukraine, aid to Israel, and may I add, there are billions, if not trillions of dollars in assets and money in those two countries. They're rich. They're both rich. And I know, you, you know, Ukraine, they're in trouble with fighting Vladimir Putin, you know, and of course, Israel is our best friend in, in the Middle East. But why is it that we don't structure this aid more like alone you know kind of like i don't know like the frenchies did when we were birthed over two centuries ago they expected to be paid for you know our fight against the brits how come we don't set it up where we tell ukraine okay uh by the way we're going to audit this money and when you pay it back pay it back in wheat pay it back in some asset uh take some of your natural resources and, and you help us help our country uh you know we scratch your back you scratch our same thing for israel how come we don't set it up like that congressman well, I certainly have, have raised this issue, as have some of my colleagues, in order to uh, make clear that we should stop being just an ATM for the world. Um, and that includes our friends. Um, you know, look, I, I, I think Israel aid, we have had a certain amount per year put into our defense operations, about $3.5 billion, $3.7 billion. Uh, in my view, that has been a strong return on our investment in terms of our own national security working on developing Iron Dome, working on setting up the kinds of um, uh, mechanism against a lot of those terrorist uh, entities throughout the Middle East without having us necessarily immersed in all of these endless wars that we've been in over the last 20 years. Uh, I think it has been appropriate that we support Israel in that regard. But at the end of the day, I, I agree with you completely. And, and in fact, I propose that and hope that we can build those sorts of things into it. But, but look, the starting place is whether a single dollar should be spent for Ukraine at all. That's the starting place. Why would we be giving them any dollar at all, loan or, or aid, uh, if we don't know what their mission is, if we don't know where the money's going, if it's going mm -hmm. to oligarchs, if it's getting wasted, 
<clears throat> is that something we should do at all? And if we do do it, should it be paid for? And if we do do it, should it be a loan? And if we do do it, shouldn't our border be secured first? I think the answer to those questions are all yes. So those are the kinds of things I think we need to be doing. And um, we're pressing it. Uh, Biden thinks we ought to just write him a blank check. We're standing up against that. Uh, and I hope we'll hold the line. Thank you for your time, Congressman Soldier On. And look forward to speaking with you again. You be safe, brother. You too. God bless. Take care, sir. This is the Sergio Show. Sonny Jose is our local water advocate. We bring him on the morning news to give us an update on the water levels that are like right now, um, because there's like a seven, 10 day uh, delay on updating the numbers, getting like real time numbers. Yeah, we're, we're at about 20% right now as far as ownership at the, um, at the watershed. And I'm bringing Sonny Hosa to start this program and, and then we're going to pivot over to a conversation about adoption, this November being adoption month. i got a couple of attorneys, maybe a judge. Get name and title, name and title, Freddie, if you can, on the way in. We'll, we'll have those folks here momentarily. But I want to talk about the water situation. That's really bad. And I brought in Sonny, who pulled over. He's on his way to Austin right now. we got the IBWC commissioner, Maria Elena, um, I forgot, Geinger? Giner. Giner. Oh, Giner, I see. Hasta eso. It's Spanish. Maria Elena Giner, TCEQ. Uh, there's a powwow taking place today at 1 p.m., and I want you to know about it if you're a grower or you have any stake in, in water issues down here. So what's going on today, Sonny? Tell me all about it. They're meeting with stakeholders, and they being the IBWC Commissioner Giner and also the TCQ Commissioner Bobby Janeka. And we had a similar meeting about three weeks ago where they brought to us some concepts that are being considered on a new minute that's supposed to be executed before the end of the year. And uh, the first meeting Commissioner Janeka had with us probably didn't go over very well. Uh, you know, we have the opinion that we have a good treaty, that we shouldn't have to be negotiating anything now, uh, you know, looking for alternatives to help Mexico comply. Mexico has the water. They just refuse to comply with the terms of the treaty. Yeah, and that does that that really is aggravating and frustrating because it's putting a lot of our farmers out of business, and yeah. and, and that's just not right. So they're going to have a second stakeholder meeting this afternoon. It's in Westlaco, and I'm glad you're inviting the public because it, it it should be a good meeting. Uh, and and I wish I was there. I, I may do the same thing, pull over and listen to it. Because there's a hybrid version, right? You, you can, if you can't be there in person, you can go online through Microsoft Teams yes, online, and connect. Uh, virtual meeting, or also, or you can also call in yeah. as well. So, Sonny, yes, would would give me your honest opinion? The commissioner for TCEQ, do you get the feeling that Bobby Janek is on our side, or is like, don't ruffle feathers, don't make any waves? You know what? What's What's the sentiment right now? Because I, I would think of, of any of these individuals, which, we, you know, IBWC commissioner, uh, Hined, uh, who works for Biden, versus the one who works for, for Greg Abbott at TCEQ, I would think on the Texas side we'd have more advocacy and more push. You would think that we would, uh, being that Texas is the beneficiary of, of the water that the United States gets. And, you know, we always have to keep in mind that these commissioners, whether they're you know state or federal, 
are there for a term, and they just, like you said, maybe they don't want to ruffle feathers, but we're the ones that are stuck with the decisions that they make. And if they're not listening to the stakeholders, well, then, you know, why involve us to start with? Sometimes we feel that we're just a, you know, a, a checkbox, you know, that, that they, they've met with us and, 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 and be done with it because we, it's going to be interesting to see what, what comes of this meeting this afternoon because we already, we already expressed our opinion. We shouldn't have to be negotiating anything at this point. All we need is enforcement of the treaty. It's a good treaty. We just can't force Mexico to deliver water. And this shortage, you know, they keep on bringing climate change into the picture. If Mexico was compliant with the treaty, we wouldn't be short on water. Put yeah. It that way. <laughs> has nothing to do with it. Just release right. it or, or, or write it over as far as their ownership over at the watershed at Falcon and Amistad. Sonny Nojosa uh, retired from one of the local water entities, and we refer to him as our water advocate. He's he's still helping out local growers and water entities when it comes to this awful water ownership situation that we have. We are at 20%, unofficially, but we're at 20% ownership, rapidly approaching 19% ownership of, oh, you know, that's, that's like the all-time low level ever reported at the Rio Grande Valley watershed. And today, and I want to say thank you to my friend Tommy who gave me the heads up on this meeting. Otherwise, I wouldn't know anything about it. I'm, I'm able to tell you and other local growers, other people to show up today at the 1 p.m. meeting. It's an opportunity to share your ideas, concerns, your grower. You're going to be out of business next year. You're not going to get your, your water necessary for your crops, for your seed. Uh, talk about that, how Mexico needs to hand over that water, just release it from their dam, put it into, into Lake Falcon. There's a meeting today at 1 p.m. The IBWC Commissioner, Maria Elena Giner, and the TCEQ uh, Commissioner, Bobby Janeka, hosting this stakeholder meeting today to discuss ideas related to uh, a new treaty m minute. What, what can be done, what can be proposed for this new treaty minute to maybe move things around, shake the trees loose, and, and force Mexico to participate and you know catch up to speed because we need the water otherwise there will be no seed in the ground and for many growers uh, no crops next year here in south texas the meeting held at the valley metro conference room westlico today 1 p.m you have a chance to uh, bend the ear of the ibwc commissioner and the tceq commissioner that will be participating again share your concerns when it comes to the next growing season. Anything else, Sonny, before I let you go? Uh, we have uh, more and more people that are comparing the Rio Grande to the, to the Colorado River. You know, on the Colorado side of the divide, uh, the U.S. gives Mexico 1.5 million acre feet every year. And on our side, we get, we're supposed to get 350,000 acre feet every, every year over a five-year period. So there's some, there's some growing concern and effort to, you know, basically tit for tat. If, if Mexico's not going to give us water on the Rio Grande, well, then let's cut off, you know, Baja California and Tijuana from our deliveries on the U.S. side. Had a chance to bend the ear of our Senator Ted Cruz this morning. He's out selling books. And at the end, I, I again, was telling him, and I know he's been working hard in it, but, uh, again, I had a chance to kind of uh, press him on the issue. Keep doing it. You guys need to show up today at the... Valley Metro Conference Room in Westlaco, 1 p.m. 
Valley Metro, the conference room in Wesleyville, 1 p.m. today. The IBWC Commissioner, Marilena Ginet, TCEQ Commissioner, Bobby Janeka, will be there to listen to you, share with them the fact that you have no water allocated to your next growing season because of this drought. The weather forecast is awful dry right now. The levels at the lake are reaching all-time lows, closer to 19%. They're at 20% and still dropping right now. Uh, you guys are in bad shape next year. You're going to lose billions of dollars in growing. So much like we had at the International Bridge, we had a, a, a stoppage here. Bill Summers organized that stoppage of the International Bridge. You guys kind of need to show up in force today, 1 p.m. at the, again, it's the Valley Metro office, the conference room at that office. And we'll also go 1 p.m. today and go bend the ear of the IBWC commissioner and the TCEQ commissioner. They need to press Mexico to release that water or pour some or something so you guys have something to grow next year. Sonny, thanks for the call, brother. Thanks for making time for us today. Sure. Yes, sir. Anytime. We'll bring Sonny back to the program to give us the latest on the official numbers of storage at the watershed over the next couple of days, maybe into next week. Yeah, we're the official number is like 21 points, like 1%. So considering the 10-day delay, we're at 20% and, and still falling. And really, very few people sounding the alarm on this. This is The Sergio Show. News Talk 710 KURV. When news breaks, we break in. Breaking news. Stay alert and listen to the weather forecast. We need to be aware and alert to what's going on. Breaking news means it's happening now. We mean now. Breaking news underway right now. Breaking news on News Talk 710 KURV means we're bringing you the news as it happens. We have an In this particular instance, we are in receipt of information. When news breaks, we'll break in. Count on News Talk 710 KURV. You're listening to the best of the Sergio Show. Here's Sergio. In the evolving world of artificial intelligence, of course, you know, you get that chat GPT thing making all the news. Microsoft was in the news just this past week or so with their new AI assistant. There's a claim that this AI stuff might even be able to attend meetings for you. <laughs> awesome, man. If I could free up all that time, I'd love it. Maybe they can come up with an icebreaker question and get into all sorts of stupid stuff and then <laughs> touch on a little bit of meeting. Damon Lemby is my guest. He's a workplace analyst. He looks at stuff like that. He's an author of The Learn It All Leader. Damon, how exactly is... AI is supposed to step in for me or for anyone at those long, sometimes unnecessary meetings where just simple email could have taken care of, taken care of business. Well, good morning. And I think what you said right there is really most important. It's the AI can step in, whether it's Microsoft Copilot or a different conversational intelligence tool, for the meetings that either don't need to happen or that maybe you're not needed, you know, maybe you're not mandatory to be on that meeting. I think that's where they can replace it. Yeah. But for an important meeting, A, I can't step in for that. No, when you have to contribute all that stuff. You know, my son and I were talking about this just last night, I, reflecting on voice actors. We were talking, I think, I think the issue was the actor strike and how these people wanted protections against AI using their voice, using their likeness. And, it, and then it splintered off, it splintered off 
to me reflect. I, I told myself, I said, man, I've been doing this radio thing for about almost 30 years now. There's so many interviews wow. uh, in, you know, on YouTube and cyberspace posts on Facebook. Like my voice is out there and I said, boy, I just realized Sometime in the future when they perfect all this technology, maybe won't be too long, maybe a decade or more. Uh, you know, whenever Jesus calls me home, <laughs> you'll be able to take all these voices, dump it into some AI grinder, and there you go. You might even be able to speak to a computer that sounds like me and just have conversations with something, some computer intelligence that, that kind of sounds like your old man. And that kind of blew me away thinking about, you know, Maybe maybe this that would be the market for people to maybe enjoy a, a simple conversation with a, 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 lo, a loved one they lost, a friend they lost, where computers would be so smart and have a database, such a deep database of experiences, and of course the voice and the inflection and the personality, kind of what sounds like it. That might be eventually the big market what people would be paying for to get the, at least a, a shadow. Of what their friends and family used to be. Anyway, just just a thought on on that. Wow, I, I mean, I've never really thought about that, you know. I, it, but when you were mentioning that, I was I lost my dad in 2010, yeah. and I mean, how crazy would it be to to be able to you know have like an AI generated conversation? I'll be honest, though, I don't know if I'd really want to do that. <laughs> um, That'd be kind of weird, right? I but, mean, that that's yeah, kind of weird. It, it's a decade or so ago, but I'm sure you still have some. Video, probably, of your old man, right? Of Plenty course. Of video and, and audio of that. Okay, so back to the workplace. How do you see, yeah. and, and, and you examining workplace culture all the time, how do you see AI, either ChatGPT or Microsoft or Apple, whoever comes out with the, this software, how do you see it actually helping us uh, on the work floor? So the, <clears throat> there's two camps. You know, one camp says robots, AI is going to take over and it's going to eliminate all the jobs. The other side of the fence, which I want to believe in, is that it's going to help enhance the workforce. You know, the past three industrial revolutions, you know, it took away some jobs, but it created more. And where I think it can help us is to eliminate some of the, you know, tedious jobs and allow individuals to focus on higher level work. Uh, I think that's what the potential benefit is. And, and it comes to healthcare and everything else. Of course, there are some challenges around regulations and, you know, guidelines. But I, I want to look at it, hopefully, from a positive perspective. Text, um, perfecting copy, maybe generating mm -hmm. quick reports, all those things will probably make things a lot faster, a lot easier. Outside of that... I, I guess it still needs to be discovered how this all this AI stuff will wind up making things easier. I, and I do agree with, with people like Elon Musk and the folks where, I mean, if it's if it's a routine function or it, somebody's just a place sitter or a placeholder or somebody sitting in a chair, a receptionist, things like that, uh, anything from burger flipping to just doing common day-to-day -day stuff, I mean, I do see where the majority of the service sector jobs are in danger because of this. Uh, somebody said that like 80% of the service sector might be affected by robots and by AI taking over in very soon, maybe within the next decade, 15, 20 years, something like that. that they'll be here before you know it. Well, if that's the case, then it's going to be our, our responsibility to figure out how to 
retrain people. I mean, there's certain things. I don't think that AI is ever going to be able to replace, and it's going to be our responsibility to train up on skills like critical thinking, strategic thinking, emotional intelligence, so that we can leverage AI as a tool. But you're, you know, you're going to have to have that human aspect. I mean, it's, you know, it could be a big challenge if. We, we take the humans completely out of the equation. Yeah. After I don't all, think the robots can have that much in it. Yeah. After, who's, who's Karen going to complain to if we get rid of all the people? We always need somebody there to, to bend it. Oh, yeah. All right. Thank you, Damon. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. We'll look for your book. Thanks for having me. Yes, sir. Absolutely. And thank you for making time for it. Uh, author of The Learn It All Leader is Damon Limby. This is The Sergio Show.